Okay, everybody, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Akev. Um, another beautiful Parsha uh, filled with uh, flowing, lengthy, gorgeous psukim. Um, and again, definitely you know check it out if you have time, a few minutes, maybe on Friday night, just read over. Uh, beautiful Parsha to, to kind of just check out. And basically, just to recap quickly before we dive into the Vitera, um, Moshe starts off by telling B'nai Yisrael the reward for doing mitzvahs, including uh, you get blessings for your kids, your parnasa, right? no infertility, right? no illnesses, right? you defeat your enemies, right? a lot of good stuff uh, for, for following the Torah. Right? We'll have to talk about that exactly. What does that mean? What, what, what kind of uh, following the Torah are we talking about? Um, he tells B'nai Yisrael not to fear the nations of Eretz Canaan, that Hashem will help you defeat them. Lessons from Hashem, we, we, he talks about lessons from Hashem taking care of us in the desert and warning us not to get complacent uh, when things continue to be good, uh, when we have wealth, when we have health, etc. Right? Don't forget where it comes from, right? from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, there's a recap uh, of certain sins that B'nai Yisrael did in the Midbar, right? like the Egel. Uh, Moshe recaps that he dove into Akash Baruch Hu and Hashem forgave them. Uh, the second, second Luchos, right, that the Moshe got 40 days and 40 nights again on uh, Har Sinai uh, as a reconciliation between Hashem and B'nai Yisrael. Um, a, pasuk, a beautiful Pazik that says, Hashem, uh, that, that, B'nai Yisrael, what does Hashem want from you? We'll have to talk about right, a beautiful Pazik uh, that we'll mention. Uh, Moshe continues to remind that B'nai Yisrael about all the miracles that Hashem did. Uh, we have the parasha of Vayayim Shamoa, right? The second uh, paragraph in Krishma, uh, and finally he recaps that if you again, if you keep the mitzvahs, the Kosh will bless you, uh, and you will inherit uh, the land. Okay, so just a couple things to talk about, um, and uh, and yeah, let's get started. Parsha starts off Vayayikiv Tishmoon. Um, if you listen to the psuka, if you listen to the Torah, the Kosh Baruch will give you right, all of this blessing. What is the deal with the word ekev? Like the word ekev is extra. I could have just said vaya im tishmeun. Right? If you if you listen, or vaya tishmeun, and when you listen, uh, what does it mean vaya ekev tishmeun? Right. So what, what, literally, what does that word mean? The word ekev is comes from the lashon of he, a heel. Right. Yaakov was named Yaakov. Because he was hanging on to the heel of uh, of Esav, but Rashi there says, uh, "What do you have to do to get all the bracha that is listed in the parsha?" Um, so Rashi, first Rashi, "Ima mitzvos akalos shadam dash beakvav tishmeun." Right, the, if uh, the small mitzvos that a person crushes with his heel, if you do those mitzvos, right, then a kosh baruch right, v'shamar shemal kach alacha as a bris v'zachesa, then a kosh baruch will keep this bris, will keep this. Uh, uh, kind of uh, covenant with you, right? You get all the all the reward listed uh, in the parsha, and the little things that Rashi says, right? The smile to the cashier, right, at the supermarket, right, helping your sister with her homework, right, running to the store, right, for the item that your mom forgot for Shabbos. It's the small mitzvahs that get you this uh, amazing reward. That are these amazing children, amazing crops, and no miscarriage. Right, all these types of stuff, right? All these um, no miscarriage is also a tremendous bracha, right? We may not realize, right? You guys are not yet in that parsha, but you'll get there to have a healthy pregnancy, mitzvah to have healthy children, etc. Right? It's tremendous bracha. Right? How do you get this tremendous bracha with the small mitzvahs? Chazal tell us at the end of Mitzvahs Makos. This is a phrase familiar to the guys because you know, in between Mincha and Marev, after it's Vartor and Shul, we always, you know, they always somebody always already says this so they can say Kaddish. Rabbi Hanania ben Akasha Omer 
But let's let's take that slowly because usually they say that really fast and right, that's that's basically how it sounds in shul. <laughs> anyway, but what does it mean? Who wanted to be mezake am Yisrael, right? To give it to to give them a schus, right? To give them uh, give them good things to take care of them. What did Hashem do? Therefore, He increased, He gave them many mitzvos. Shinamar, as the Pazik says, Hashem chafetz lamansiko, God wants your righteousness. Yagdil Torah v'yadir, let the Torah grow, etc., etc. So Hashem wanted to be mezakos, as the Pazik says. Hashem desires our righteousness. So what did He do? He gave, gave us a lot of Torah mitzvos. Meaning, Hashem didn't give us more reward for the harder mitzvos. He gave us a lot of mitzvos. A lot of them are harder, but a lot of them are easier. Kosh Baruch Hu gave us many, 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 many mitzvos. As the Rambam says in the Parish Mishnayis, there on the Mishnah Makos. It's impossible that a person will not do, Rambam says one, I would imagine, a couple of these mitzvos with his kavanos. And the Rambam there is talking about proper kavana. But it's impossible that a person will not do one of these small mitzvos Right, during this time, right, during his life, and then earn eternal reward. Right, so the Rambam says, right, to doing an easy mitzvah, that's what we're talking about over here. To do, we think the small mitzvahs are not important. Right? We don't take any pride from them, right, which is natural. Right? It's not natural for a person to be like, I'm a great smiler, or I'm a great eater of food on Shabbos. But these are mitzvahs. These are legit mitzvahs. It's super important. That's what the Parsha says. If you listen to the small mitzvahs, you get the list of the entire, all the brachos that Akash Baruch Hu lists off in this Parsha. Right? Don't just turn down an easy mitzvah because you don't feel like it. Right? That's the Eitzahara talking. Right? There's great reward even for the easiest of mitzvahs, just like the Parsha says. But it goes even deeper than that. Rav Melech Biederman quotes its first Shlomo, which again is the Radamska Rebbe, we've quoted before. He explains that Akash Baruch Hu loves us, loves any effort. Right? He says, Any little his orus, any extra effort in Torah and Tefillah and Yiddishkeit, right? Even if it's not entirely fulfilled, even if it's not entirely perfect, every single inkling of inspiration of trying to get close to Kosh Baruch Hu, trying to daven, trying to arouse within a person feelings of a desire to get close to Kosh Baruch Hu, every even little effort is supremely valuable and cherished by Kosh Baruch Hu. Now I'm not even talking about small mitzvahs. Now we're talking about different kavanas, different intentions and efforts of Avodah Hashem within mitzvahs. Right? Even that is supremely valuable. Right? If a person is working on their brachos and they spend an extra second or two on their bracha, amazing, right? If you're trying to get to shul on time and you get there half a minute early, I don't mean because like it happened to work out like that. I mean like because you're trying, so that's amazing, right? So then you're putting in the effort to grow spiritually. Even that is supremely valuable. If you look in the sitter for one more word of Shmon Esrei, right, and you tricked translation for one more word and now you understand tefillah one word better, so that's incredible. That's what we're talking about. But on the other side, on the flip side, of the Avero side, so uh, to use an exaggerated example, if a person struggles with treif, right, and usually you order a Big Mac and cheese with two slices of bacon, and they're trying to work on themselves, and now they only order one slice of bacon, again, not the, because that's what they're in the mood for, because that's what they're trying to grow and improve, that's amazing. 
And if you only hold hands with your boyfriend instead of other stuff, so because you're trying to grow and keep the Issa Daraisa of Nagia, amazing. It's not only the tiny mitzvos, it's even different levels within mitzvos and within halachas that are valuable. Rav Melech quotes a discussion between Rav Chaim Vital and the Arizal, that Rav Chaim Vital was the Arizal's main Talmud. Uh, the context is a bit convoluted, so I'll spare you, but basically the Arizal said that, that nowadays even one cry, even one groan, that comes from the heart, right, and from a place of getting close to Gosh Baruch Hu, is considered as if someone fasted many fasts back in the day. Because our generation is, right, like you read it, Sadaros, and our generation is lower, whatever. So the underlying lesson of Ekev Tvaya, Ekev Tishmaun, is every little thing counts. And don't discount the little stuff, right? Even the small mitzvahs and even details within mitzvahs, right? Gosh Baruch Hu cares about details, the details are supremely valuable. And let that be a source of inspiration in Chizuk. If you feel like maybe you're not, quote-unquote, getting there as fast as you'd like, so still you could celebrate the little victories, even if it's one strip of bacon on a cheeseburger instead of two, right? celebrate the little victories right, and get Chizuk from that. Okay. Now we mentioned there are a lot of beautiful, beautiful psukim in the Parsha. Moshe suggests that we can try and hit on a couple of them. Moshe says a couple of times while recapping the sins of Bnei Israel in the Midbar, he says, very funny phrase. He says it in Pazag, in Peritaz. He says Pazag, in Pazag Zayin and Pazag Chavdalad. He says the phrase, Mamrim Heisem Im Hashem. That you were rebellious with God. And the word that's strange in that phrase is, as you might imagine, is the word Im. It's the word with. Right? You would think it would have said, Mamrim Heisem, I don't know, Neged Hashem. Maybe you rebelled against God or you were versus God or you whatever. It doesn't say that. It says twice. It says on purpose. It says later in, in Sefer Tzvarim. I think in Nitzavim also. Namrim heisem im Hashem. You were rebellious with God. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that like you and Hashem are best buddies and like the two of you plan to steal a teacher's test before the final or something. Like, what does it mean you were rebellious with God? Like, what is going on over here? So the Nitziv writes that it's actually another critique of Am Yisrael. That even though Akash Baruch was so close to them, even though they were all with Hashem in the Midbar, Hashem was ever present in their lives, still, at the, they were, Bnei Yisrael were rebellious. And Taka, that makes a lot of sense, because one of the things that Bnei Yisrael said when they complained about the man and the water, about after leaving Mitzrayim, was Hayesh Hashem Bekir, really, the water, I think. Hayesh Hashem Bekir, They complained, is Hashem really in our midst? So even when Hashem, yeah, obviously was in our midst and taking care of them, right? They were, they were, they were complaining. But I thought, not that my my opinion is really valuable, but with much trepidation, I thought that the pasuk was suggesting the opposite. It sounded like it was much more comforting that even when we rebel against the Gosh Baruch Hu, right, He's still with us. That even though my Mirim that we're rebellious, still we're in Hashem. We're still with with a Gosh Baruch Hu. Again, we usually feel like after we do some sort of chait, right, either it's a serious sin or something we struggle with and we do it all the time, right, we just feel like Hashem hates us. Right? He doesn't want anything to do with us, doesn't want to hear from us, and it couldn't be further from the, further from the truth. Right? There's a puzzle in Yecheskel that we say all the time, and Slichos and Yom Noraim Davening is coming up, right, and the puzzle starts off, it's, uh, let's see, where's, this, where's the marker? In Parag Lama Gimel, puzzle Gidalev. So, Amar Aleihem, Amor Aleihem, say to them, Hashem tells Yechezkel, Chai Ani Nuhum Hashem Elukim. That's a form of a Shavua. Kosh Baruch Hu is saying a Shavua. He's, he's quote-unquote swearing. Im Echpotz, Im Echpotz B'mos HaRasha. Do I really want the Rasha to die? No. Ki Im B'Shuv Rasha Mitarkov V'chaya. I much prefer, says Hashem, he's swearing, he's swearing that this is true, that he would much prefer that the Rasha does Shuva, 
and lives. Right? Then he said, and the Pazik finishes, Shuvu, Shuvu, go do Shuva from your evil ways. Why should you guys, why Kosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to drift farther, farther away? Obviously, we're going to talk about Shuva a lot in the coming weeks, not only because this week is Shabbos, Mavarach, and Chodesh Elul, but because it's the central theme of the Psukim at the end of Dvarim, Parshas Nitzavim, etc. But here, what does it mean? It means when, even when we rebel against the Kosh Baruch Hu, I thought that it seemed to imply that still we're in Hashem, we're still with Akash Baruch Hu. And I was very excited to see that Reversh, Reversh Shemshavar Hirsch, actually writes that both of these Pshatim are true. Right? That both of them are correct. They're not, uh, what's the word? They're not um, mutually exclusive. Thank you. They're not mutually exclusive. Both Muslims are true. On the one hand, even though Akash Baruch Hu is always so close to us, we rebel against him. That's unfortunate. And that's true. It's also true that even though we rebel against him, he's still close to us. Right? Both of those things can be true at the same time. So those are two Muslims that we can remember from that single pasuk, right? How close Akash Baruch Hu is, right? On the one hand, how dare we, you know, revolt and rebel? Akash Baruch Hu is looking over your shoulder, right? If you had role models and teachers that were looking over your shoulder, I bet you'd, uh, the internet browser history would be a little different. On the other hand, right, when we do fall, so we have to remember that even though, yes, there's definitely a, a distance as a result of the chait and we distance ourselves from Akash Baruch Hu, that's for sure true, but Akash Baruch Hu's closeness is, is always constant. It's us that's pushing ourselves away, right? We're putting the distance between us and Akash Baruch Hu, right? Akash Baruch Hu is the sun. We're the planets that are distant. Well, the planets don't really go farther away. All right, whatever. You know what I'm saying, right? Akash Baruch Hu is always there for us, right? He's always waiting. He's always waiting for tshuva. It's crucial to remember, right? We're going to start with Chodesh Elul, um, right? Akash Baruch Hu is always ready, right? We say this on a tokef, Ad Yom Mosot Tchakalo, Akash Baruch Hu waits till the last, last moment, the last, last day. And we should uh, try and take advantage. Okay. Pazuk in Perik Yud, Pazuk Yud Base is a, again, I try not to say the word famous because then people feel bad, but it's a pretty well known Pazuk. And if it's not well known, you've definitely heard reference before. Uh, if you're not word by word, I do want to read it word by word and then we'll just kind of like analyze it quickly. Um, Moshe says, all right, all right, let's, let's be real. And now, B'nai Yisrael. What does God really want from you? I'm just translating. Ki im Hashem to fear Him, to walk in all of His ways, to love Him, to serve Him, with your entire heart and your entire soul. to keep the mitzvos, and the chukim and the mitzvos you don't understand. which I command for you, and it'll be good for you. Now, Moshe, if you kind of read between the lines and you're trying to read it like a story, sounds like Moshe's being like, come on, what's well, a big deal? What does God really want from you? And it's not my question. Gemara asks this question. The Gemara in Brachas in Dafalam and Gimel says, what in the world? Right? The Gemara says, what, that's, that's not a big deal? That's a little thing? What does God really want from you? To fear Him, to go in all His ways, to love Him, to serve Him with all of your heart, with all of your... Really, that's not a big deal? That's, that Mils is Utrasa, that's just a tiny nothing? So the Gemara says, fascinating. In, yes, the Gabi Moshe, Mils is For Moshe, it was no big deal. It was just a small little thing, so that's why he said it. Problem is, if you read the Torah, and we are, Baruch Hashem, reading the Torah... You kind of get the idea that Moshe was not clueless in terms of Am Yisrael's either faults or abilities. 
it strikes me as very strange that Moshe Rabbeinu would have be completely disconnected with the rest of Am Yisrael. Yeah, okay, so for Moshe Rabbeinu, who freaking talked to Gosh Baruch Hu, spent 40 days and 40 nights on a Har Sinai without eating a single thing, spoke to God whenever God called him, uh, did countless miracles. For him, the Yerush Shemayim wasn't a big deal. So he's like, yeah, come on, people, it's not a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. You think Moshe didn't realize it was a big deal? So what does the Gemara mean? So even though the Gemara says, yeah, for Moshe it wasn't a big deal, fine, that doesn't help because it doesn't make sense that Moshe would be giving Musar based on his own level of Yerush Shemayim and not be in touch and in tune with, first of all, the Jews in his generation and second of all, the Jews of all future generations that this would get written down in Sefer Tvarim. So what's going on over here? So I heard an approach from Rabbi J.J. Shachter uh, when I was in YU, but I, there are also other uh, Hasidic Rebbe's I've, I've seen uh, take this approach as well. And that the Gemara, the, the language of the Gemara says, Legabe Moshe, Milsa Zutrasahi. Now, Legabe Moshe can mean for Moshe, but Legabe can also mean next to Moshe. Next to Moshe, it's not a big deal. And basically, what everybody goes into the shmooz, and we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but when you're next to someone for whom mitzvos and your shemayim and all this type of stuff is not a big deal, so it becomes easier for you. Right? When you what was Moshe saying? You're saying, yeah, hang out with me. Now, he was going to die, fine, but he, what he meant was hang out with the me's of the generation. You hang out with me, it's not a big deal. Right? You hang If you have good role models, you have good chavra, Again, we spoke about this, but when you're around other people who are doing it, even though it's something that sounds difficult to you, so then you can do it too. And again, when you surround yourself with good chaver and good influences, so then it's, it makes it much, much easier uh, and much less daunting. Okay. Uh, I can't met, talk about Parshas Ikev without talking about the tremendous yisodos uh, uh, about Parnasa uh, in, found in Parshas Ikev. If we had time, uh, frankly, and if it was a different type of uh, shear, I would read to you the entire, we would go through the entire Perichas. Perichas is a master class in Emun and Bitachon, and specifically about uh, Parnasa. Uh, I'm going to try and obviously do it justice uh, over Zoom, but uh, but let's, uh, if you have a chance to read it, also, you know, if you have a chance to read the whole Parsha, but if you have to read one part of the Parsha, I would I recommend Perichas. Of course, this other stuff is also valuable. Anyway, let's let's try and recap a little bit. Moshe basically mentions that the man that Akash Baruch Hu gave B'nai Yisrael in the desert right, was this amazing, miraculous thing, except Moshe does it in a very curious way. Instead of kind of harping on the miraculous nature of the man, Moshe says several times, Right, that Hashem did this, He gave us mun in order to test B'nai Yisrael. Which is weird, because I thought He gave them mun to keep them alive in the desert, which has no food and no water. But that's not what Moshe says. Moshe says in Pasuk Beis, he says in Pasuk Tezayin, he says several times that Hashem afflicted them in the desert for this purpose. Uh, Ibn Ezra explains He didn't give them extra pleasure, just gave them exactly what they needed. Right? The Pesukim say that clothing didn't wear, wear out, their feet didn't grow swollen. So, Two questions. First of all, what in the world was the test of the man? What's a test? Hashem rained down bread every single day. They had plenty of food. What is a test in that? Pazik said that several times. Says it in, in, in uh, Parshas B'Shalach also. And what was the purpose of afflicting B'nai Yisrael in the desert? Just giving them exactly what they needed and not more. So first of all, what was the test? So there's several opinions, as you might imagine. Several opinions 
in the Rishonim, in the Parshanim, what the test of the Mon was. Again, there's a similar Pazuk in, in uh, Shmo's Parak Zion, but let's use the Pazuk in our Parsha. The Pazuk in our Parsha says, Hamachilcha man bamidbara sherlo right? Moshe tells Bnei Israel that Hashem fed you man in the desert that your forefathers never knew, right? Laman anosecha ulaman nasosecha, in order to afflict you and in order to test you, to do good for you in the end. So what in the world is going on in this Pesach? First of all, what is the test? Second of all, what is the affliction? And third of all, how is this good for us right, in the end? So the affliction we talked about uh, briefly, as the Ibn Ezra writes, and as Ben Israel complained, uh, already much in, earlier in Sefer Bamibar, right, that the man was enough for basic sustenance and not much else. Right? Again, yes, it tasted amazing, but they didn't have, you know, uh, a cupboard to go, you know, to get some munchies and, and, and a freezer for ice cream if they wanted. They had food. The coach broker gave them what they needed. They were alive and they were fine. I'm sure they were satisfied to a point. And that was it. So that was the affliction. Well, what was the point of that? We'll talk about it in a second. What was the test? So I said, as I said, big machogas in terms of what the test was. Rashi and Shmo says the test was if the Jews would keep the halachos of the mud. Uh, the month specifically, not to leave it over until the next day, not to go out to look for it for, on Shabbos, etc. The Ramban says that the entire experience was a test, right? That going into the desert without food, without water, no hope, but a Baruch Hu, right? And hoping that the man would fall every single day, literally every single day for 40 years. So that was an exercise in Emun and Bitachon, right? They didn't, Hashem told them once that they were getting man, and yeah, it happened every single day for a couple of years. They didn't know if it was necessarily going to fall the next day. Yes, I would imagine at some point it became like the sun rising. It does every single day. So I guess the mud will show up. But it was a test to, show, to jump into that river, shall we say, to go into the desert where there was no food whatsoever, to have their faith in Gosh Baruch Hu, says the Ramban, that was the test. But we mentioned previously, I think it was our Shiram Tishabov, so I'm not sure if it was uh, mentioned in any of the other Shiram, but the Orchayim and the Sforno and others point out that, no, the, fa- the test was the fact that Bnei Yisrael had everything taken care of in the desert that they had where they were sustained every single day they had nothing to worry about they didn't need to go to make a job they didn't need to make they didn't go to the farm to the farm they didn't need to go out to the fields to plant food etc they had nothing no parnasal worries whatsoever they had food they had clothing they had shelter they had water nada so says the orchim says this morning when all your needs are taken care of and you have all the time in the world what are you doing with your time Right? Are you spending eight hours on Netflix? Or are you spending your time doing chesed, learning Torah, etc.? Right? The Jews in the Midbar literally had no, th- no parnasal worries. Nothing to worry about. Months, love, and water every single day. V'chule, v'chule. That was the test. The test was, what do you do with your time when you have no responsibilities? And my Rabbi, Rav Yonasin Sachs, right, when we learned by YNYU, and now he's with Shiva at Landers, used to say that's the barometer for how well a person is doing spiritually. During the school year, during the work year, whatever whatever stage of life you're in, right, there are always excuses not to learn, not to do chesed, not to do mitzvahs, and sometimes legitimate, right? You should not be going to visit you know, an old age home uh, at two in the afternoon if you have a nine to five, right? That's completely legitimate, right? In school, in college, if you have class, you have homework, you have to study, completely legitimate. But when you're off in the summer or during Sukkot break or Pesach break or whatever, how do you spend your time? Right? When you're free of responsibility, well, what do you do with that freedom? Right? Do you bum around or do you go and accomplish stuff? Right? I remember Sack said that a person can accomplish worlds in the summer. So that's the test. That's the test of the month. Now, how is that good for us in the end? Well, frankly, the psukim themselves 
kind of uh, explain the lesson of the month. Uh, just to paraphrase, just to start from uh, Pazigid Aleph, uh, again, I'll just try and uh, try and paraphrase, just uh, transliterate without uh, transliterating. I just uh, you should watch out, right? Don't forget a Baruch right? Make sure you keep all the mitzvos that I'm commanding you, because maybe you'll eat and you'll get, you'll be satisfied and you'll build nice houses and you'll start living in them and you'll have a lot of cattle and you'll have a lot of gold, a lot of silver and everything. You, your possessions will increase and then your heart will become haughty and you'll forget a Baruch Hu, who took you out of Egypt, uh, who took you into the desert, who took care of you, saved you from snakes and scorpions and, and thirst, who gave you water from a rock, who gave you money in the desert that your forefathers didn't know, right? And you'll say, but you, you may say in your heart that that my own strength and my own koach created all of this success for me. No, remember Hashem. Really, Hashem is the one who gives you the strength to be successful, right? And in order to fulfill the bris, in order to fulfill. Right, this uh, agreement that he made with us to keep the mitzvahs, and then he'll take care of you. Oh, but then if you'll forget Hashem, and you'll go after foreign gods, and you'll you know you'll worship you know, foreign go- other gods, I bl- you're going to end up being destroyed, just like the other nations that I'm going to destroy in front of you. Right? If you don't listen, right, to a kosh baruch So Hashem is saying simply that a person will become fat, right, and kind of complacent, and uh, you know praising himself on his own success. But most pointedly. In Pasuk Gimel, it says, Okay, Moshe again says that, that uh, Hashem gave us the man. Why? To teach us, to tell us, Because man does not live on bread alone. Because whatever comes out from Akash Baruch's mouth, that's what man lives on. What was the test of the man? To teach them, to ingrain in them. It's not the bread. It's not the planting. It's not the reaping. It's not the field. It's not all the efforts that you did. It's from Akash Baruch right? The bread, yes, the bread is what keeps us alive. Well, where does the bread come from? The bread comes from Akash Baruch right? We do not live based on the work of our own hands. We live based on uh, the chesed of Akash Baruch Yes, we have to put in our ishtadlis. Absolutely, that's a mechilta in Shmos and Parak Zion right over there, right by the man. Uh, how to balance our ishtadlis and amuna, a couple of, a couple opinions over there. That's not our discussion right now. But make no mistake, you have to have a job. But it's not the job that pays the bills. Right? It's not the eight years in law school. It's not the countless studying for tests that makes you successful. Yes, you have to put in the effort, but it's from Akash Baruch Right? Just like he rained down bread from the sky in the desert, he continues to rain down bracha and shefer from the skies for us. That's the source of our parnasa. That's what Moshe is telling Bnei Israel not to forget. Right? Don't forget where it comes from. Uh, I was super inspired by someone uh, who called me last week. Well, it's not calling me anymore. They left me a voice note on WhatsApp, which is <laughs> hilarious. And by the way, what I prefer, because sometimes I can't answer the phone. But they said to me, fascinating. They said... They're feeling jealous of their friend's success in the summer. And they want to know that maybe they should give Miser uh, the money that they're making because it'll make them less jealous and it'll refocus them. First of all, I was super blown away that that was where they thought. Right? I didn't suggest that. They said that that was their question. Right? It was so inspiring because that's exactly the point. Right? Realizing that everything is from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, 
Right? If you give 10% of your, of your earnings to poor people, you're not losing out. You're doing exactly what Hashem wants to do with the money He's blessing you with. And then the Gemara says, if you, right, Kosh Baruch will pay you back, etc. But that's not the issue right now. But not only will, are you using the, money that, uh, using the money that Hashem gave you for the right things, right? it'll help a person not, beca- not to become jealous of other people's successes. Because you realize that it's not, it's not your own efforts. It's your established, but it's not, everything's coming from a Kosh Baruch Right? Why should you get jealous about someone else's success? It's like if a person is, is in farming, right? A person's a farmer. And you look over at, at your neighbor, the fisherman, and you say, man, I wish I had that many fish in my field. I mean, like, what, what in the world does, a, what the heck does that have to do with anything? What does the fisherman's success have to do with the farmer's success? Nothing. It literally is nothing. Their two are entirely unrelated. That's how we should view everyone else's success. Right? That's how we have to view it now. It's hard if we're in the same field and you know, we're friends and we're roommates and we're neighbors, etc. That's hard. But that's how we have to view it. The two are entirely unrelated. Right? There's no sense in getting jealous of other people because Yukarish Baruch who blesses us with what we need, blesses them with what they need, and the two are entirely unrelated. Now, it is true that some people are unsuccessful. And we pointed out, Moshe said a couple times, right, that Hashem is going to unfortunately afflict us, right? Sometimes people are not as successful as they'd like to be, right? And so Moshe is telling Bnei Yisrael that that's part of the entire Parnassah process, right? In addition to the test of, of Parnassah, right, there's also sometimes some affliction. Now, why is that? Why does the Kosh Baruch Hu need to make us, quote-unquote, not successful? Why can't we all just win the lottery, get the best jobs, etc., etc.? So Rav Melech quotes the Noam Megadim, the Rav of Tarnagrad in Russia in the early 1800s. The answer is in the Pesukim. Right? No, no, no more complicated than the Pesukim. Pazik says, when a person is prosperous, he has no Parnassah worries, they're more likely to bum around and fill their, fill their ideas with problem, fill their heads with problematic ideas. Right? We read in the, in the, in the Pesukim, right? If you, if you get rich and you get fat, uh, fat is not here, it's actually in the Pazik and Hazino, but when you get rich and you get wealthy, you're going to forget a Kosh Baruch Hu. Right, so says of Melech, whenever a person is faced with a deficiency, with a lacking of some sort, right, a person should know that it's specifically because Akash Baruch Hu wants us to reach out to him and to internalize further that everything is from Akash Baruch Hu, right? Who cries out to Akash Baruch Hu for Parnassah? Not the billionaire, right? The guy, the guy who's lost his job, or he can't pay the bills or whatever it is, that's the person who cries out. So if a person is not as successful as they think they should be, Right? It's because a Kosh Baruch Hu wants them to get a little bit closer, to call out to him, to refocus and remember where the Parnassah comes from. Right? That's why the Pesach says, Kasher Yasser Ishes Beno, Hashem Elokecha Miyasser Echa. Hashem a Kosh Baruch Hu afflicts us just like a father afflicts his son. Why does a father afflict his son? He doesn't want to afflict his son, put pain on his son. He's not doing it to inflict pain. Maybe the father doesn't give his son an allowance. Right, to, to, a certain, to teach him the value of money or the importance of a job. Maybe he doesn't give him the car because he got a ticket for speeding. He wants to teach him to be careful. That's where it's coming from. Right, if Melech quotes an unbelievable gra, unbelievable gra in Sefer Rus, right? We, uh, we talked about uh, Megillah Sefer Rus. In Megillah's Rus, right? we, we talked about that Shavuos time, right? In Sam. When, if, if you remember the story, Nami, when she comes back to town, right after losing everything, Right, and people are like, is this Nami? Right, is this is Nami who left, right? It was wealthy as anything, and all these kids, etc. So Nami says to them, I'll take Nami, don't call me Nami anymore. Krenali or something like that, Krenali Mara. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
and the Pazik finishes off, I left and I was filled for Hashem. And Hashem brought me back empty-handed. Hashem brought me back with nothing. And you read that Pazik, as I always read it, and I assume that Nami is complaining about how bitter her lot is. That she used to be this super wealthy Spitz person, and now she has nothing. Right? Don't call me by my old name. Call me bitter, because my life is bitter, and Hashem took everything from me. The Gross says something amazing. It's actually just the opposite. When a person has everything, as we've been pointing out, there's a greater chance that they will kick away their creator. And the Pazik says, again, I, was, I kept on referencing being fat. That's why the Pazik in Hazina says, Vayishman Yishurun Vayivat. That B'nai Yisrael got fat and they kicked, meaning they kicked away a Kosh Baruch So the opposite is true. Meaning it's it's almost, not Chas Shalom, but it's almost, it's almost better for a person to have a little bit of adversity in their life so that they will get closer to Kosh Baruch and daven and internalize that Hashem is the only one Right, is the true source of salvation right, and prosperity. So when the people were shocked, they were like, this is Nami who had all her riches, who was so wealthy, this is what happened to her. And she said, yeah, I'd rather be Mara than being Nami. I'd rather be Mara because when I was Nami, I had all I could ever ask for. And look what it got me. Right, what did we do? We left Eretz Israel. My husband died. My children intermarried. Then my children died. And one of my daughter-in-law is converted and she's with me. I have nothing. And only when I had nothing left, only when Reikam, when I had nothing, then had Shivani Hashem. Only then did Akash Baruch Hu bring me back to Eretz Yisrael. Right? When did I get back to Eretz Yisrael? Only after Reikam, only after I had lost everything. So Nami was saying in her tremendous righteousness that I prefer the Mara, I prefer the bitterness. Now, Lo Aleinu, I don't know, I will say that about everybody, we should all be Zoha to Machat Slacha, but that's a test of Parnasa. That's why we all don't just win the lottery. Because being rich is just as much an Isayon as being, I don't want to say poor, but being moderately well off. Right? Maybe even bigger of an Isayon. Right? How will we spend our money? How will we spend our time? So if you ever, ever feel like you're not being as successful as you might imagine you should be, so you only have, uh, I don't know, a thousand views in your TikTok as opposed to your friend has 10,000 views or whatever. Or you're only making $4,000 this summer and your friend is making $15,000. So don't think of it as if you're being scorned by Kosh Baruch Hu, right? That's a natural human reaction. No, it's quite the opposite. Kosh Baruch is trying, trying to bring you closer to him. Right? This is what you need. And maybe the 15000 would make you complacent and cause you to spend the money in ways that are not entirely wholesome. Right? Have to be talking that Kosh Baruch knows what you need. Along those lines, I just talk about the last uh, last topic for today. Right, uh, you know, when a person truly realizes and internalizes that everything is from a Kodesh Baruch right? Like we talked about, Mesias Yisharim and Perikyut and Nikias, the only natural response is to praise Kodesh Baruch and thank him for all the good that he's done for us. Uh, so uh, maybe that's Perik Tes. Uh, we have to Chazer. Okay. Either way, in this Perik, Moshe says almost the same thing twice. Moshe says, again, in Pesach Beis, You should remember the entire derech, the entire way, that Akash Baruch Hu took you, the entire, entirety of the, of the desert trip. And then he says in Pesach Beis, You should remember Hashem, because he gives you the strength to be successful. Says the Sefer Haredim, This is a binyan av. This is a rule for all Jews forever. Right, a command to remember the path that Hashem took Bnei Yisrael down. Right, for forty years Hashem take, uh, saved the Jews in the Midbar. So to us, we excuse me, we have to remember the entire path that Hashem has taken us 
all the way from birth, which is a tremendous miracle, right, up through wherever we are now, right, the countless chasadim that HaKosh Baruch has done for us. Right, the Orachayim writes on that pasuk, right, pasuk Yerches, right, it's telling us we have to remember all the good that Hashem has given us, because the natural human condition, as the pasuk says, is to forget, and think that we are the ones, right, who are creating the good and success, and we're responsible solely, entirely for our success. As says, Melech, right? the, the next, what does the next Pazuk say? Vayam shachach tishkach, as Hashem alokacha. Right? If you forget a Kosh Baruch Hu, v'alachtal acharei Elohim acharim, and you go after false gods, when you start forgetting that everything is from a Kosh Baruch Hu, and you start wor- worshipping, right, a Vodah maybe not Baal Pa'or, but we start worshipping the false gods of our own intellect and intelligence, uh, the false gods of our college degrees, of our job security, of our business savvy, right, and, you start worshiping those false gods, then you forget that everything is from Baruch Hu. And this is the lesson we learn from the mitzvah of benching, right? The source, the makar, the source that we have to bench, right? Benching is one of two brachos that are daraisa, right? The mitzvah daraisa, the bench. This week's parsha, right? Famous pasuk, right? If you eat, you become satiated, as they translate in the art school, right? You become full. And satisfied, all over the place. Yerushalmi brachos, sevrachina, fosforna, vidraham, toratzmima, gemar brachos, and bavli, and dafmen vav, says, Berkos HaMosim is all about a kar zatov. The gemar there says in brachos that a guest should lead the benching, because it's a mitzvah that's rooted in thanking kar zatov, should be led by someone who already needs to thank the host. Right, that's, that's, with, uh, you're already thanking the host. You might as well remember to thank a Kosh Baruch Hu. And you see that throughout the text of Benjamin. Right, it says it all over the place. No delecha Hashem lokecha. I give thanks to you. Who hateth, who mateth, who yateth. Right, he gives us all these types of good stuff. Right, for all of this stuff, we appreciate you. Thank you. Right, we acknowledge that Kosh Baruch Hu is the source for our food and our parnasa. Hazan is olam kulo butuvo. Right, and we thank him for it. This brings in mind, uh, brings to mind the Ramban at the end of Parsha's bow. My Rebbe Rosaks also was very fond of quoting this uh, this Ramban. The Ramban at the end of uh, Parsha's bow talks about why are there open miracles. So the Ramban says the purpose of open miracles are to shed light on the hidden miracles that Akash Baruch Hu does miracles for us all the time, and the reason that we think something is a miracle is simply because of frequency. Uh, if something is a miracle, Akash Baruch is really doing everything. Right? The fact that we are breathing, the fact that the sun rises, the fact that you know Zoom works, that is also a miracle. We don't think it's a miracle because we don't we see it all the time. The only difference between a hidden miracle and an open miracle is frequency. So Ramban says the open miracles are to train us to realize that Akash Baruch is, cre- is controlling everything. And then he says the entire purpose of creation is lieda uliyode is to know. That Akash Baruch is controlling everything, to recognize that everything is from Akash Baruch Hu, Uli Yoda, and to give thanks to him about it. That is entirely the purpose of benching, right? To recognize that everything, all of our sustenance, the bread that we're eating, everything that we get, all our food, that's from Akash Baruch Hu, right? And Liyoda, and to simply thank him for it. Right? The next time you bench, right? realize, again, that we talked about that we're living in a time of massive wealth. You can get bread at every store down the block in every city in the Western world. That's a crazy. Right? Learn to realize that everything is from a Baruch Hu, and Gamzu, and Tova, and that we need to thank him for everything.
Right? And once you, if you need to focus on something when you're benching, right? A lot of us just run through benching. Maybe very few of us. I, I try and say it from a sitter. I'm not always successful. My wife is very mocked with that, right? So make sure you bench from a bencher, right? So that's the, that's the focus of benching. The liedo lioda to recognize that everything is from Hashem and to give Him thanks. So if you have that approach, right? If that, that approach to everything in your life. So now you can kind of come to Chodesh Elul, right, the month before the Yom Narayim, right, with the proper mindset, and Mitzvah Shem will be Zoha, uh, to use the, the month uh, in its proper way, right, a main Kenyan Ratzim. All right, it's great to see everybody. Um, have a tremendous Shabbos, uh, and we'll be in touch. We'll see you next week. Mitzvah Shem.